In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And you may be seated. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Rudolph was a misfit because of his red nose. In the movie version I'm familiar with, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer finds himself on the island of misfit toys. His red nose makes him one of the misfit toys, and he becomes their rescuer. Now, Rudolph's story is compelling, seems to me, because, well, who hasn't felt like a misfit toy? I was a lefty raised by public school teachers who'd been taught that left-handedness was shameful and something of which a child should be broken. Now, I won that little contest, but they did help me learn to write below the line instead of above the line so I wouldn't smudge pencil. When I started to grow my hair out in the eighth grade, I discovered to my horror that I had extremely curly hair. And because back then, the surfer cut, and only the surfer cut was cool, to my, hair, to my peers, my hair was not cool. They called me Brillo. My two front teeth had been broken when I was about eight, and they were badly capped all the way through high school, college, graduate school. And then even as a seminary professor, I thought I was a misfit toy because I was afraid I'd gotten educated beyond my intelligence and had no right to be there. It made me appreciate students who were misfit toys, who didn't fit the profile of precise thinking, articulate, put-together future pastors. And there was one misfit student in particular. His name was and is Scott Bellew. Scott was and is a burly guy, a big presence, loud and smiley, rough-hewn, not graced with the most elevated vocabulary, but altogether approachable. I found out that Scott had had, well, let's just say a rough childhood and youth. And he had spent much of it living on the streets, a matter of survival. He had been a misfit toy for a long time. Scott at the time he was in seminary, was building a ministry out near his home in Winter Garden, Ocoee, by distributing socks to people living on the streets. Clean, dry socks mean a lot when you're living on the streets. One thing led to another, and this many years later, that ministry of sock distribution has become Matthew's Hope. One of, the, one of the most meaningful and powerful homeless outreach ministries in all of Central Florida, providing way more than socks, housing and job training. As they say in Matthew's Hope, a hand up, not a hand out. And it's hard to find homeless people in Winter Garden, Ocoee, because of Matthew's Hope. It all started with Scott Ballou embracing the fact that he was a misfit toy, rescued by God's misfit toy, 
so he could seek out fellow misfit toys. And that's the glory of today's epistle. God uses misfit speech to convey a misfit strategy and a misfit logic to win back a world that has its own wisdom and thinks it has it all figured out. So notice first the misfit speech. Verse 1 of our epistle reading, I did not come with superior speech or wisdom. Verse 3, and I came to you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Verse 4, my speech and my proclamation were made not with persuasive words of wisdom. Last week, we had our congregational meeting, and we had a bit of a moment. Uh, Canon Patricia Orlando, her words last week stayed with me through this last week. After my own litany of thanks to people in the congregation and praise to God for all that he's been doing, and then after uh, Canon Josh Bales' uh, normal top 10 of the previous year, Patricia got up and said, sorry, I'm not as smooth as those guys. Only to go on to talk, if not indeed perfectly smoothly, about the freshest ministries we've seen in a long time. Building a team of pastoral care ministers, of offering grief share, kind of self-explanatory, teaching chess to our youth as a point of contact. Not smooth? Who cares? Not as smooth can be a breath of fresh air in overwhelmingly beautiful surroundings like ours, where it's just possible that the fineness of the vestments and hardware and the precision and the pace of the liturgy can overwhelm rather than, as it's supposed to, enhance the beauty of the holiness of God himself, which he is seeking to press into our lives. You need to know that for us, the stress is not on the beauty of holiness, but on the beauty of holiness. And sometimes I'm not, as that, I'm not that smooth is the way that needs to get communicated. So thank you, Patricia. Notice, second, the misfit strategy. God reclaims his world through, verse 2, Jesus Christ and him crucified to return his world to the reflected glory for which it was created. God sends the eternal, verse 8, Lord of glory to be crucified, to endure the most shameful, ignominious, inglorious death that so-called civilized people had yet imagined. Precisely through the misfit strategy of embracing the curse, Jesus Christ broke the curse. Precisely by undergoing condemnation, Jesus Christ silenced the voice of condemnation. Precisely by losing, Jesus Christ wins. And what he wins is you and me. 
that we could linger here, and we will, during Lent and Holy Week. First, misfit speech. Second, misfit strategy. Third, the misfit wisdom. Verse 12. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed upon us by God. God speaks a deeper wisdom than the world's. The world's wisdom of denying your misfitness through self-authentication, self-reliance, self-redemption, self-sufficiency. God speaks a deeper wisdom to hearts he himself has made ready to hear. And that wisdom is this. You were bought with a price. You are not your own anymore. And here is what Paul calls it at the end of today's passage. The mind of Christ. When the mind of Christ comes out, it looks a lot like Scott Ballou of Matthew's Hope. My misfit seminarian. Hander out of socks. And that, in fact, is what God teaches us in our passage from Isaiah chapter 58. Permit me a brief look there. And for you Bible geeks, this might be a little fun. Yahweh had rescued Israel from slavery as a promise of his intention to rescue the human race, all of it, from slavery to sin and death and shame and guilt and condemnation and an eternity without him. And part of the design was for Israel to be a peculiar people modeling that reality, placing a value on those who had been who were, who were enslaved themselves to poverty and oppression, to oppression, to denigration and indignity, indeed some to literal slavery. Every 70 years, Israel was supposed to let all land return to its original owners, forgive all debts, let all slaves go free and allow the land to rest. To that end, they were supposed to blow a trumpet, a shofar, says Leviticus, a shofar, a trumpet, to herald that day and proclaim the year of Jubilee, the acceptable year of the Lord, freedom. Now, apparently, it seemed too radical, an overturning of vested interests and loss of commerce, too much of a concession to the demands of social and personal justice for people. And so Jubilee was never practiced as far as we can tell. And in fact, Jeremiah had said one of the reasons that the nation was going to be sent into exile was so that the land could enjoy the rest that for centuries it had not been allowed. Congruently, not being grateful for deliverance from slavery so that they would be sure to relieve the burden of slavery from people in their midst, God's people would, alas, return to a kind of slavery in exile. So what's going on in Isaiah's day, having heard these warnings... People are trying to compensate, maybe even ward off the prophetic warning by 
paying scrupulous attention to the personal spiritual discipline of fasting, not changing anything about their lives, just denying themselves a bit of food, hoping to placate God. Good luck with that. Isaiah will have none of it. And so here's deep irony, and this is what's, what should light up you Bible geeks. Ironically, Isaiah, Isaiah, the Lord tells Isaiah to use his voice like the voice of the shofar, the trumpet. Only instead of calling, declaring a year of jubilee, calling the people to repentance. For they have declared their own sham acceptable day of the Lord. Blow the shofar of repentance, he demands. He accuses the people of substituting their only slightly personally inconveniencing fasting for the more holistic day acceptable to the Lord. Verse 5, will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? You're using jubilee rhetoric, but there's no jubilee going on here. Here's the fast the Lord wants, says Isaiah, and I paraphrase verses 6 through 7. I invite you when you can, Isaiah 58, 6 through 7, read those words and think about them. Here's the fast the Lord wants, says Isaiah. Fast from treating people unfairly. Fast from holding people down so that you can get to the top. Fast from hoarding things for yourself. Fast from signaling to people who can't do you favors that there's no room in your life for them. Fast from beautifying just yourself. Fast from shutting out embarrassing kin. On the far side, taking on the upside down misfit logic of God's kingdom where getting gives way to giving And losing your life is how you gain it, says Isaiah, verse 10. Your light shall rise. Your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom will be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places. Oh, may Christ... May Christ make you feel more and more a misfit in a world of self-satisfaction and self-gratification. May he envelop you in his new world of true jubilee that Jesus has won for you on the cross, of proclaiming and living freedom for captives and release from all bonds. Now, whether God moves you to donate for blankets under the inspiration of Bill Jones or like Scott Ballou to hand out socks, or to help our cathedral youth to build kits for distribution among the dislocated, or to volunteer with iDignity or Jobs Partnership, to maybe, I don't know, check into how you can help, we can help relocate refugees, or to go to city council meetings to find out what's going on in your, where you live to pray for governmental leaders that they may promote justice and truth instead of unfair practices and lying distortions, whatever. May we, as God's misfits, live the mind of Christ. May we seek and serve Christ in all persons, 
loving our neighbor as ourselves, and striving for justice and peace among all peoples, and respect and dignity for every human being. Amen.